Hey y'all, it's Brawl, and welcome to season two of the Complete Roller Derby Survival Guide podcast. I'm kind of blown away by the number of people like responding to this podcast, so thank you for the support. Um, if you haven't already, if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on, following us, me, <laughs> following the podcast on socials at Roller Derby Survival Guide on Instagram and TikTok. I would really appreciate that. Um, those are all free ways to support the podcast. And if you'd like to continue supporting the podcast financially, we are looking... I keep saying we. I don't know. I The, the podcast is looking for sponsors, um, financial sponsors, in-kind sponsors, I also set up a Patreon for the podcast, so you can find that in the link in the Instagram bio. Um, this season is going to be interviews, so it won't just be me talking to myself, <laughs> talking into the ether, um, which I think is super exciting. I already have, I think, five interviews scheduled. If you want to be on the podcast, there's still space this season, and I would love to talk to you. My initial idea was to interview people and like organize the podcast episodes based on subject, but I think it might be a better idea to organize based on the person interviewed. And if we cover multiple subjects, I will just put that in the description of the podcast and like let you know when I post about it that those are the topics we're talking about. Um, partially so that I can release the podcast episodes sooner. I don't have to like collect all of these interviews and then splice them together and then release them because I think I would end up not releasing anymore until like fall of next year. So my organizational autistic brain wants to organize things by topic, but I think <laughs> it makes more sense as a podcast to do it by interviewer or interviewee. Um, I am having people ch generally choose one or two subjects that they would like to talk about. So most of the interviews I have scheduled, we will be covering one subject. My main focus with this podcast is talking to people from all different backgrounds. So if you are not hearing yourself represented on this podcast, reach out to me and you can be that representation. I would love to talk to you. I haven't released the designs yet, but I'm very close. Oh my God. Stevie. With all that being said, let's get into episode one of season two of the Complete Roller Derby Survival Guide podcast. Um, today I'm talking to Badass, also known as Batty. Um, she is someone who honestly has like shaped my roller derby career to an extent. When I first joined Rocky Mountain, when it was Rocky Mountain Roller Girls back in 2019, she was someone I saw on the track and was like, who the fuck is that? Like, <laughs> what? Um, she makes roller derby look so easy, like she's not trying. Um, and she's been playing for so long. We're going to ask her how long because I don't actually know how many years. I think I'm going to let her introduce herself, but just know that she is someone who like helped me define my role in roller, roller derby and helped me find my confidence in it. 
I also, on insistence from Batty, have created a Printify shop so that I can create more merch and like more products. So for now, there's just the I Believe in Roller Derby as a sticker that you can buy. It's like under $2. Go check it out. It's in our link tree on Instagram. This is Future Brawl hopping in to say this uh, interview will be two parts. So the one you're, in, you're listening to now is obviously part one. And then there will be another part released next week, another episode. Um, Batty and I covered multiple subjects, and I think they were really good conversations, and I didn't want to like condense them so much that you lost the, the value of them. Stay tuned next week to hear the rest of our conversation, but here's part one. So without further ado, let's go. I'm badass, mm-hmm. and my pronouns are she, her, and I've been playing roller derby with Rocky Mountain um, since 2006. <laughs> I started... I did the math and I was in my 20s when I started, which is crazy. And I'm uh, 42 now. um, Mm -hmm. So I've been playing for like 17 years. That's awesome. I think like if you do like yearly, I think now this is maybe 18 Mm -hmm. because it's 2024 now. So yeah, that's crazy. Um, I've only ever skated with Rocky as my like home league because I've lived in Denver the whole time. And that was the league I first heard about and met and had exposure to. I didn't know um, Denver was a league (laughs) when I started. Yeah. Yeah. I had never heard of, I I mean, nobody knew what Derby was then. So, yeah. And yeah, so I basically, I sucked. I will, I will say that I have been playing for a really long time. And I think I'm like, kind of in the space now where I've been doing it for so long, it like seems like it comes real natural and I like know what to do. And it's true because like I've been doing it for so long, but like my skating skills were basically zero when I started, I'd never been on a team sport. So, um, and I just was obsessed with the culture. I um, met like really cool people. I felt like I was doing something with my life and like I was basically hooked and I've been hooked ever since. I think that's, part of why I've been skating as long as I have because mm-hmm. it's just like even though it's like um difficult at times and like extremely difficult at times um especially with injuries uh yeah. it's also like super fucking rewarding so yeah. like I'm just not I'm not over it yet <laughs> I don't know if this is always the longest relationship sorry <laughs> I was just gonna say it's the longest relationship I've had in my life I love it <laughs> Um, I think I kind of said this in my intro, but like, to me, you make Derby look very easy. Like when you're on the track, I saw you play bank track for, was that your first time at RollerCon? Um, when I was scrimmaging, it was the first time I scrimmaged, like played bank track. Um, I took a class. (laughs) (laughs) I really liked it. I was terrified the whole time. I mean... I have I'm playing at Roller Rage and I'm terrified, but it's like it's fine. Like just do it. Just yeah. do it. Just do it. <laughs> well, I think that like I don't know. We can talk about this kind of, or maybe this leads into the like respect genre topic. But I think that you are someone who taught me how to have balance in derby, and I am not someone who's good at that. Just like I am kind of all or nothing, and I get 
obsessed with something. But I think that you were definitely the first person that was like, you don't have to be like the best all the time. You said it in a way, way more eloquent way, but I remember you being like, just kind of calm down. <laughs> and you weren't <laughs> saying it about me. You were, it was more of like, you were the first person I heard to be like, this is for fun and we appreciate how everybody shows up and you should like remember that. And I wonder if, cause you are the person that I know that has been playing continuously the longest. Like I know some people that have played, have been involved for the same amount of time, but they haven't like stuck with it, you know? So maybe that yeah. mindset is part of your like success in staying with Derby. Absolutely. I think that that, that, that level of, well, and that's, I think I'm kind of, I was the same way when I started Derby too. I had no boundaries. Like I was yeah. like, yeah, I'll be the he- I'll be the head of the merch committee. Like, yeah, I'll I'll fucking schlep tubs of shit around and like count stuff and like sit at a table and sell merch. Like, I didn't I did not care. I would do anything to be involved. Now now I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna be the head of any committee's things. I'm good. Worker B, thanks. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> and I think it's important to do that and to say that. And I think it's so important to. And okay, this is, I think, you know, the whole respect topic gets into this, like, we can, we shouldn't try to tell people how to live their lives. People are going through things that we don't fucking know about at all. Um, yeah. They have a past, <laughs> you know, you mm-hmm. don't know what it's like to be another person. So like, um, yeah. now I'm getting all like teary. Okay. But like holding space for people in any way they can show up is so fucking important. You don't want yeah. to tell people they can't be involved because they're not like at the yeah. level you want to be involved in. And yeah. it's so hard because you love it so much and you want it to succeed and you want it to be like the best thing ever. And that really requires a lot of people to pull a lot of fucking weight. And yeah. you're like, well, who even are you? <laughs> like, why should I respect you? Where, where are you? But like, yeah. you gotta like, let people show up where they can and just like love that and and yeah. take that take whatever you can get from them I guess yeah and I think but that you were one of the voices at Rocky who was like I remember being on the in the penalty box with you and there were these new volunteers who were like freaking out because they timed something wrong and you were like we don't give a fuck like you volunteered your time it's cool thank you so much for showing up And I think that more of us need to do that of like, just recognizing that people are showing up. It's a volunteer thing. Like it's, you're not paid to do it. And also something that I think that we talked a lot about when we, when I was also at Rocky was like, leagues need to have more allowances for different amounts of participation. And I think that was a big proposal like part of Jams's proposal of the Colorado roller derby was the different tiers and like levels of commitment that you could provide or like be involved with, like monetarily, time-wise, recreational versus travel team. And I don't see a whole lot of leagues doing that. I don't know if you've seen like a shift in that over time, but I feel like right now what I've kind of seen, and again, I've only really been exposed to Rocky and then like 
some leagues that I traveled to other countries to skate with. Um, and then just like kind of what I know of like maybe your league or, you know, honey's league, you know, mm -hmm. what I hear through the Derby grapevine from people who skate other places. But uh, like, I just feel like COVID really screwed a lot of leagues over. And so mm -hmm. a lot of leagues are just kind of trying to rebuild from, you know, the ground and other leagues kind of are just like, oh no, like that, that's a thing that happened that we don't talk about. And we're just going to keep on doing what we were doing before. And yeah. <laughs> which I don't, I don't know. I have a lot of opinions about both of those things, you know, but yeah. it's, it's hard because um, there's, there's limited resources, you know, and doing something like running a, a roller derby league requires some resources. And yeah. so it can be difficult when, you know, you have to share resources. I mean, I'm obviously kind of talking about sharing a warehouse with Denver and, you know, like just like even just number of skaters and humans who can like do things for the organization mm -hmm. and kind of yeah. what that looks like. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, especially, I just think we're really struggling with actual, like having bodies, right? Like human, human people who want to play roller derby and are part of our group. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, it kind of goes back to accepting people where they show up. So there we have, we have a decent number of people who want to be a part of the organization and are doing things for the organization. But as far as actual people who are skating in practices, coming to scrimmage and like participating in a way that would like maybe allow for like forming a team and actually having a game is like not enough. It's just yeah. not enough people. So it's like really difficult to sustain like what it's all about. Cause ultimately that's what it's about. Not just the social yeah. and the like running of the business and the committees and the work and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's about, practicing a sport and playing it yeah yeah and so it's it's hard because I love there's a lot of people who you know are a part of my league people who I would love to see skating more and mm -hmm. I feel like they do committee work and they kind of like give what they can and it's like this limited thing because they have their circumstances whatever they are and it's not skating it's like, yeah. oh, no, I'm just going to be like the head of a committee. It's like, yeah. what? Yeah. I love yeah. that. But also, like, what? That that's yeah. not what this is, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not like an organization for an organization's sake. It's a sport right. to participate. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying, like, everybody has to wear skates. Like, you know, no. like, volunteers, NSOs, like, people who don't, don't skate. Like, there's absolutely a place for anyone who wants to do anything of course but also like when that's the only involvement you have in derby like i don't know it's sometimes it's a little bit like i don't know how like i don't know it's like who even are you kind of like you want to the culture the community i guess is appealing but like yeah Yes, I love, this. and I love the culture and it, it's this yeah. gate it's this gatekeeping shit right like I don't want to gatekeep the culture yeah. of roller derby but on the yeah. same hand I think there's like a, a little bit of a problem when people who don't participate 
in the sport or running the sport, like maybe this whole like for the skater by the skater thing kind of like has some built in like kind of protections of like, I'm like, I'm putting my body on the line when I play roller derby and I get it. If that's not your jam, like I, Mm -hmm. I totally get that, but also Mm -hmm. like, please don't make me play in a game when there's only six people on the team. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Or like, don't put, yeah, don't no, get me I, involved in something that I'm not like prepared for. We don't have enough people to do. And then just be like, we'll work it out. Like, yes. And I think that's, you know, or act like, like so you know, well, we're giving you an opportunity to skate. Like you should be so grateful. Like we do everything for you. And it's like, <laughs> I don't, you know what I mean? Like there's this weird push and pull yeah. of power and like, what is this all for? Well, I really like the note that you wrote and what you just said of like, if someone isn't physically putting their body on the line to play this like high intensity sport, they don't get it. And I think having volunteers like NSOs who don't skate, that's totally fair and fun and fine and like welcome. I think that's great. But I think what we experienced at Rocky was like coaches and people who had these like bigger positions of power who were not long-term skaters or not skating at all ever. And they didn't seem to understand the like risk that we were taking to play the sport. Well, and it's also this weird, again, this power struggle of like, no, you do what I tell you or you have to do like, you have to do X, Y, Z like period. Like, because that's, you, you know, your reward is to get to play in these games and whatever. And I, I totally understand. Like, I guess part of the problem for me is I've been around for so long. Like I was with Rocky kind of when Rocky was at these numbers, but not because it was post COVID, but because that's just what everybody was at. Like roller derby wasn't a fucking thing yet. Whip it wasn't out. Like nobody had, nobody ever heard of that shit. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? So it was kind of, um weird for me to see how people are like so hell-bent on like sticking to these like rules that we made to like manage and corral a lot of people when we had like hundreds I mean I remember after we won the Hydra I mean Whippet had just come out like every roller derby was hot people were selling shit out all the time and like we had like 150 people you know, yeah. people like we'd have a scrimmage and you literally we were actually kind of like reminiscing about this the other day. But you you come to open scrimmage, Sunday scrimmage, and you would yeah. sit in line and wait probably, you know, up to five to six li- lines before you go in. Oh, so yeah. most of the time you're like shooting the shit with the people in the line. You're like yeah. having fun. Like it's, it's social. Yeah. And then you get out there and you fucking do the damn thing. And it's kind of like, I mean, like roller con is somewhat <laughs> similar. The black and white lineup scrimmage thing is kind mm-hmm. of similar to what we had like every week. That's and so right. that was the organization we were running. And that's where all the rules and all the like bylaws and all the HR and everything came from. Yeah. When COVID happened. And people were absolutely unwilling to do anything but what we had already set up. And it made no sense. Like, and I just, I guess for me, it was like, again, let's all think about the fact that we're paying money to be here. We're all volunteering. Like, this is not, (laughs) 
like it's roller derby isn't real. I like to say that sometimes. Like it's not a real thing in the real world. Yeah. It's for fun. It's 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 a world that we all created and exist in and it is it's for fun and we pay and some people make a living off of it. But yeah. those people are few and far between. They're not the standard yeah. <laughs> by yeah. any stretch of the means. So like to pretend that like this is like a professional sport is not is not it's not sustainable for how it actually runs you know right and that kind of <laughs> leads into the like cultural shift of it as well of like i especially with my new league there's like this um professionalism idea that i agree with like most of the time like we want to look like a cohesive team when we're a travel team etc but I think that a lot of leagues that go really hard in that direction start to lose the like cultural traits of roller derby that like make it fun and make it not just like soccer or something. <laughs> like with some leagues talking about losing their derby names and going with their legal names. I just, I don't know. I know we've talked about that like one-on-one -on -one or like in a social setting before but I think that that cultural shift is really interesting and like I think that we have both seen the like toxic side of that where it's like we are asking for professionalism in a toxic way not in like this we are one unit working together way if that makes sense I don't know yeah, like instead of being like, let's all be professional and like have hard adult conversations with each other and yes. really, again, examine what our, our purpose and mission is here, it becomes like professionalism as in like, no, you're a mindless automaton and everybody has to look the same and be the same and act the same. And if you don't fit in with our culture, you can't be on our team, even if you're really good at roller derby, like we don't really like you. So you can't yeah. be on our team kind of. Yeah. And it's. I, th I mean, I think it, it can work for people too. I mean, I'm not saying it's it's not gonna work. It's just kind of shitty. Yeah. Um, but like, if that's what your what your team's goals are, then do that and like be professional and like be as good as you can be and like, yeah. Again, make this whatever's working. Don't don't fuck with it. But like, I guess it kind of just again comes back down to like what your goals are and what what your like mission as a team and like yes we're a sport but like we're not a professional sport so like winning and ranking up and all that stuff is like it's cool and it's important and it's fun competitiveness but also it's not real <laughs> like yeah. not at the cost of like your sanity or no. your like body like some people so i started derby because i was watching derby a lot and i ran into my cousin and she was playing with Rocky at the time and I had never seen her skate in a game or anything like that, but she's like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah, there's like practices and you can like come try out. And then she decided to quit cause she's a tattoo artist and didn't want to hurt her hand, you know, mm -hmm. because if she hurts her hand, like she can't, she mm -hmm. can't make money. 
And then we yeah. also had a really actually pretty prominent artist here in Denver who was skating with, with us for a long time, Caitlin Zeismer, and mm -hmm. she hurt her wrist. And then she was like, guess what? I'm not doing that anymore because I make my money with my fucking hands and I can't like afford to be hurt. It's like, so no. this is like kind of the concept of like, we're paying, not only are we paying money to do this and our time and our energy, but also like we're risking potentially not being able to like, make enough money to like live, you know, because of an injury. Yeah. And I think that's something that I've had to like recognize with a lot of people that I skate with is like, I have a job where if I break my leg, for example, I sit in my house and I do my work and I still get a paycheck. Whereas some of my other teammates do not have that privilege and like have to think about that. And I've had a couple people ask me like, oh, should I join roller derby? And I've started asking the question of like, would you be okay if you got injured? And some people have said no. <laughs> and I'm like, well, then don't play a full contact sport on skates. Maybe. I don't know. It's probably not the thing for you. Well, or like, what, what do you want? I think what do you want out of roller derby is so important. And mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of people play derby and they don't even really know like yeah. what it is they're looking for, what it is they get out of it. And I think yeah. getting really clear on that is going to help you kind of like make those boundaries. And like, I think so much of what I do to try and like, you know, maintain this balance with my life and Derby and this longevity of Derby is to be really clear on what I'm getting out of it and get yeah. that no matter what, like yeah. I can get what I want out of it and I can just leave the, let whatever the fuck else happens. is like, it can light on fire. I don't fucking care. Like, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. figure it out, you know, yeah. because you can't, you can't control other people. And I think that's, again, kind of comes back around to this respect of like, we want to tell people how to live their lives, because we want them to do what we want them to do so that we all do the thing that we want to happen. And yeah. that's just not, you can't do that. <laughs> and yeah. it's not going to work. So why fight that fight? Yeah, agreed. What are your like, derby goals right now? Like, what do you want on a derby? Um, yeah, like I'm, I think I'm pretty pro, like, let's get some good ranking Rocky. Like let's play some good travel games. Like what's our travel team looking like? Um, while also helping to like try to get as many people to join and skate with Rocky at any level. Um, yeah. you know, so like training, uh, both at, at the at the most competitive level possible and at the beginning level, um, mm -hmm. I'd say would be my goals. And then personally, also just I'm skating at Roller Rage later this month. It's a bank track tournament, so I've never actually played a, a bank track game before. Just the scrimmages at RollerCon, but I feel like it's going to be fine. There's enough people on the team that it's like that know what they're doing, and I've done a little bit, and I feel like it'll be fine. Um, but who knows? <laughs> It'll be, it, I'm, I'm nervous, but what are you going to do? You know? Do you want to talk about like cultural evolution that you've seen or like your predictions of like derby cultural evolutions or even just yeah. like USAR's evolution? Because I know I haven't heard maybe two mentions of USAR's out here. <laughs> like nobody really talks about it that I've heard. Yeah. But it right. was a big thing. So that's Denver. how. So well, I mean, I can tell you, I never heard anybody say shit about USARS 
until Ross came into town and wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. I hope there's an explicit tag on um, podcast. There's going to have to be now, but yeah. like she wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. And like, but she's not wrong. And now that I've played it, it's definitely my favorite rule set. I think um, culture aside, USAR's culture, I feel is kind of like maybe a weird marriage of the two, two yin and yangs of WFTDA culture. So maybe that's a good thing about USARS too, but like, um, <laughs> it's like really it's, casual, but also really competitive. Is that what you're right? Yeah. yeah, it is like people take it very seriously, but also it's kind of like, you don't have to necessarily like, and maybe that would change if they had more interest, but like, again, there's only so many USARS teams and it's just not the predominant bull set but I find it to be a much more entertaining and less injury. Like, like I feel like it's way less likely that you're going to get a bad injury playing, (laughs) you know, this is all anecdotal, but like, I just, I like it. I feel like it's, it's more athletic, you know, it is more difficult athletically to like keep up with, but once you get there, it's like not that big of a deal, I guess. I can see. Yeah, it's like running um, in circles really fast, but you can't really. People listening don't know you. There's not like, like an advantage to hitting really hard if you're playing USARS. Whereas with well, with hitting the- hard is is fine, but you can never stop. And so what happens in in Woofdada is we will hit a jammer out of bounds and then immediately stop and run them back, or like immediately stop and then everything starts from a standstill, like mm-hmm. because the slow like it's it's all about killing momentum and USARS is the same thing, but you're not allowed to stop. So you can only kill so much momentum and nobody wants to lose too much momentum because if the pack gets going, you're going to have to get all that momentum back. Right. And jammers are going to be fast and USARS there. There's, I always, I like to joke that like in USARS, there's like jammer speed and then there's like turbo because everybody's kind of going jammer speed. So you Unless you, unless you're like really good at weaving through people and tricking them, like you're gonna have to turbo boost at some point. Like it's just real. That so you gotta sense. have a little something extra in the tank. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I think that USARS would be a lovely wave of the future. I think th- that people are not basically the problem is is everybody's got the sun i'm sorry wftda but like everybody's got this sunk cost fallacy thing going on with the fucking rankings and because it's already there and it exists and nobody i mean listen i don't fucking want to do the work i don't want to do any fucking work the less work the better and usars i feel like it's like their ranking system is come to nationals and play and you pay to be in it and it's there's not really any i mean there's seating that's based on the last time your team showed up so like basically it's that weekend is all that really matters right you know and woof is more like yeah build and build and build and there's this algorithm that you're kind of like battling all the time and then like maybe you make it to a playoff tournament if one ever happens i don't know <laughs> like I know they're coming. They're coming. It feels like it's been forever. <laughs> I feel like based on who I've heard talking about USARS and like being overall interested in it, like when 
we did the um the rec team in colorado i can't remember what it's called colorado cdc yes they i feel like a lot of yeah i feel like people there who like had retired were kind of interested in it but like we're past the point of wanting to learn a new rule set at least from the like couple of people i actually talked to about it i feel like there's gonna be like usars will have its moment when the larger group of people that have been playing roller derby like since roller derby has gotten more popular there's going to be this larger group of people that want a lower impact version at some point <laughs> maybe i don't know I think it's kind of, it's getting out there though. And I think that the fact that like the level of, the level of play you can get out of USARS is just, it's, it's phenomenal. Like, I mean, anybody who's like a really, really amazing skater, um, like probably dabbles, you know what I mean? Like we're talking, like there's like the freight, you know, freight train and Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, trying to think of other people like who are like pretty huge in WFDDA who also play USARS but like um like I I feel like any anybody who's like really good you know is is gonna be relatively easy to switch over but like also I just think the rule set is much less complicated also like I feel like so much of the WFDDA rules are made to like prevent certain things and then it just gets really complicated because everybody just tries to like okay, well, how do we get around that? Whatever rule set we're playing, like, I do think there's going to have to be a reckoning with this, like, you know, there's, like, the the power teams and then there's everyone else. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. just not really... I don't know how... <laughs> it's really weird being at Rocky because we share a warehouse with Denver and so they're, like, this, like, fucking powerhouse team and, like, you know, mm-hmm. I can't. I went into practice last night and fucking Misty Maven's just, like, chilling. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Yes. I, I, I don't know how to really explain how that feels to people if you don't understand yeah. how that feels. But it's, like, there she is just chilling, you know, yeah. and they're talking strategy and I'm going to go do my warm ups, And it's just, like, I mean, this is, like, literally almost, like, the entire range of roller derby skill is, like, standing right here right now. You yeah. know, like. Going to RollerCon, I recognized so many people just because Colorado is this, like, hub of derby from all ranges of ability and, like, commitment. It's humbling, but it's also a little frustrating because it does feel like, again, we're kind of the league who will literally take anyone, right? And and, I, and I'm and i trying to make it like, well, we hold space for people at whatever level that they can give us. And, you know, it's kind of like, it'd be so cool if I could also benefit from this like crazy, amazing talent that could be part of my, my organization too. But because we are hell bent on having two different organizations and like nobody wants to like compromise. It's just like, okay. I guess we'll just keep doing what we're doing and just be separate. And I do feel like, um, you know, there's leagues that have merged back together after having a split in the derby world. And, you know, it seems like that's fine for them. I don't know how they did, how they made that work, but, you know, you and I both know that there was a a slight attempt um, by jams to like try and bring Rocky and Denver together. And it did not, go anywhere 
I guess that kind of goes back to that, like, you know, like I feel like with Rocky, it's just been a, a slog of like COVID and trying to rebuild and like me just trying to be really like vigilant about what, who we are and what we want and how we're different and like, just like yeah. own it and maybe, and, and try to keep that a place I want to be, want it to be, because yeah. I do feel like part of what, I love about Derby and I think you kind of love about Derby is that it is like our own little magical world that we've created and we have a lot more power to like say no like we don't we don't fucking accept this this isn't how we do things here like no and yeah. so we have that like that power that I don't have in the real world in any real way I mean I have power over my own life you know I'm not right. going to say I'm like actively being oppressed or anything but like as the society at large could not give two fucks about me and i I certainly don't have any influence on anything you know so in roller derby it's like yeah no like i'd love to build a league that's like how are we different you know like we're not drd we're not we're never going to be denver we're never going to be like the fucking misty mavens of the world but how can we also be competitive and hold space for people who are never going to be able to do more than one practice a month, you know, like. I feel like I was pretty, a pretty radical person when I joined roller derby, but I think that having that power to create a community like that, it like radicalized me even more. And oh yeah, a lot of that was like things that you said, or like other people that were like on your level of we, they'd been there for a minute and they knew what was happening said like said things that made me realize like we can make this space what we want it to be it does not have to align with like the external world that we have to exist in which i think is like as you're saying is like the coolest part of roller derby aside from the sport itself yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think that that covered your respect bullets and maybe a few cultural ones um is there yeah i mean one thing i didn't mention about culture is the gender thing like that's kind of a okay so you had mentioned um like how just having a space without any cis dudes just like feels automatically like safer or i mean sometimes i even like hesitate to say safe because Mm -hmm it's it's almost even just more like calm or like I can relax you know um like it just feels more welcoming or more like a place where I feel more comfortable (laughs) um and so like just having that like having that space and then especially like with a full contact sport where I know I get real hot headed and sometimes like I will be trying to communicate with my own teammates and it sounds like I'm screaming at them, you know, like, because I just, I need it to get done. I need to get done right. And right now, like, you know, it, you get escalated real fast in derby and your heart rates up and, and people are hitting you. Like you're physically taking damage and you're just like, wow, you know? So then to have a, a, this dude there can be very like, I can imagine the word trigger triggering, um, but like, just also just like, again, so much less comfortable, so much less welcoming, so much less safe, you know? So just um, also feel like 
I have played with so many guys who are like fucking awesome. They're great people. I would like hang out with them outside of Derby and feel like let's fucking go out. Let's party. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. friends, like good dudes. Like, yes. I don't, you know, yeah. I'm not, I have met some of them too. They're I'm not fun. the biggest man lover in the world. Some people might say I hate men. I feel like my bar is pretty fucking high um, for most yeah. men to clear. Mm -hmm. So like, if I like you as a guy, you've done a good job. And if I don't like, just think about that. <laughs> But yep. I love skating with dudes, like, and yeah. I also hate it, and it is fucking terrifying, and it makes me feel icky. And then I hear things about like what's happening with these men in the community outside of the track, and like it's fucking mortifying, terrifying, horrifying, like just no, no, thank you, like, please, God, no. And it's also like, I don't know that I can say, no, no men, like, I'm just never going to play. I'm only ever playing WFTDA, you know, gender. Yeah. And, and I'll, I, I won't get as many opportunities. Like my opportunities are like much less for me. Yeah. So I personally, um, and especially I found this to be true, um, overseas. Like mm -hmm. it's kind of just like a lot of times there's just men who are a part of the community who like they don't really have enough guys around who want like to make a men's team or to have a men's thing so they really don't have a way to play unless they're playing with the women but mm -hmm. then it's like i mean there's a there's an absolute physical like men are bigger they're stronger they're faster they can jump higher they can hit harder and it's just that's that's real that's that's reality that's physics i don't know you know i there's a lot of women who are very tall and strong and are like can play with the men and it's like oh it's just like a bunch of other me's fine it's cool but like i don't have that experience yeah. i'm five five if i stand up straight you know like i'm 140 like there's no way like i can yeah compete with somebody who's like six feet, 200. Like, it's just not real. <laughs> yeah. I will say one thing that I, I've played in like more co-ed situations in the past few months, just because there was an opportunity to, and I felt like it was a safe environment. But I think the other part yeah. of it is most cis men have a different like center of balance than you or I do. And so they hit with mm -hmm. their shoulders a lot instead of their hips. But now that I've learned how to hit with my shoulders pretty well, it's kind of a non-issue because I just do it back to them. So I think right. that was a big part of my like hesitation outside of the like cultural element or like personal social safety kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and honestly, like I feel kind of bad for guys who want to want to play at you know, I think this is kind of, it kind of comes back to this. There's there's resources in Derby and a resources playtime and opportunity. Like we talk about opportunities, right? Like you don't have to play in every opportunity you get, but sometimes it feels like you don't get a lot of opportunities. And so yeah. like when you get an opportunity, you, you want to take it. But then sometimes you're going to have to deal with like, oh, there's this dude there. And some guys I feel like are... I would say most guys 
mm-hmm. I've dealt with are great and they they know how to be like how how to control and how to like they can they can totally like dominate you but they don't have to like smash you you know what I mean like they they can play like almost like positionally or there's like a level of control mm-hmm. there and yeah. and I think some guys are fucking hot dogs and ultimately it's kind of like I say this all the time like I'm 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 going to go 50% but if you start to get past me I'm going to go 75. And then if you start to get past me again, I'm going to go hundred. Like, cause I'm not yeah. just going to let you go past me. I can't like yeah. do that. <laughs> not yeah. what the game is about, but you know, for but some girls, we try to temper. Yeah. I think that that's like a big part of Derby though. And it's like an actual rule is that you shouldn't be uh, using unnecessary force against someone essentially. So like, I think the best players, men and like all genders alike, are people who can control their, like the amount of force they're exerting against someone. And I think that you are someone who knows how to do that. Like you push the boundaries of it sometimes, I think, but in a good way. Like you were the I first like person. Push people a little. <laughs> yeah. I do you were like push people. the first person that hit me hard. And like I, I'm glad you did it because I was like, no, I don't want anybody to hit me. And then you just did it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's part of why I do it. I feel like sometimes we don't we don't let people have the real thing, you know, that we don't give them the full like full contact. And we keep them at this what we call like positional like level where it's not. You know, it's kind of like you're pulling your hits and you're only just kind of controlling people. But like in real roller derby full contact roller derby the actual sport that we're playing like people can hit you so fucking hard you will go flying i've been horizontal a few times in my life i'm not sad about it like it's scary it can be dangerous i've been injured i still fucking love every second of it like i don't care it's worth it so like i just feel like people need to know what they're doing when they play roller derby and like if you're afraid of that moment you might not be in the right sport like it might not be for you and that's cool like that's fine like Mm -hmm. and and this is this is a this is a rant i've probably had with a few people but i think a lot of people are like this person's not safe they're not safe i don't feel safe around them and i'm like safety is a fucking illusion Safety is not like you can't guarantee your safety. You could be skating with Bonnie Thunders and break your shit. Like it's not about other people like, yeah, in a way, you know, and I understand there is a, there is a level of like, I'm falling all over the place and I might pull you down with me. And like, you're going to have to jump over me. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that is, it's less safe for them though, than it is for you. I hear what you're saying. If I just feel like people are over 18 and if they have insurance and they want to go out there and fucking break their shit mm-hmm. and never come back as long as they don't sue us, like, okay, like you get to choose when you're ready to to play full contact. Not me. Like, yeah, I'm I not the one who's going to have to pay my bill, your bills when you get hurt. Like, yeah. you know, and if and when you get hurt, because some people play forever and never get hurt. So like, yeah, what I think is the difference? Like- I don't know past like the level one level ups where you just have to prove that you're not going to grab onto everybody around you when you fall. I agree with you. As long as no one's like pulling me down. Totally fine. Ultimately the only way to get good at like being in a pack and people hitting you and you not like falling over is to do it. Like you need to learn how to take a hit. And the only way to do it is to take a fucking hit. 
yes yep <laughs> so yeah I, agree. I don't know and i i that's why i don't like when we when we play positional i do hit people and i give them a little something a little something more because i don't like i don't know i don't like fake roller derby like i don't i didn't join a sport to like not play the sport i joined like <laughs> and then people get all like well you can't do that in positional and i'm like that's not those rules aren't real <laughs> that's not a real thing i will say that roller like, derby's having... not real to begin with and now we have this other like fake thing we're building <laughs> what it makes it very complicated to try to play positional and i don't think i think that rocky is honestly one of the few places that does consistently have positional stuff from what i've been seeing i don't know if that's true or not but I, I remember when it started at Rocky and it wasn't, it definitely hasn't been there forever. Okay. I'd love to get rid of it forever. I'd love that not to even be a thing that we ever even talk about. I'd yeah. like it to just be like, you learn to skate and then you learn to play roller derby. And I won't hit you so hard that you like die all the time, but I'm going to fucking knock you down until you can take a hit. Yeah. And, and then they, someday you're going to knock me down and think of how great that's going to feel. Yeah. Like, <laughs> when I think you are someone that like, I have gotten mad at people for hitting in positional scrimmages, but it's because they were like blowing people up left and right. And it was like, that was unnecessary and could become unsafe. But I think that what you're talking about is more like a little, little hit out of bounds when someone's on you, which is roller derby. And I would argue it's not that far above being positional. I don't know. I, well, I agree. I, and also like it's if somebody's if some if somebody's not being held back with my positional measures right then they yeah. are they are good enough to then play full contact like you know what i mean like and by and by being like no you can't do that to me it's positional it's like but you just got around what i tried to do positionally so right. like now i have to kill you <laughs> now you have to die <laughs> <laughs> But that's, I mean, I think there is a level of, and people don't like to talk about this, or I don't know, maybe they do. There's a level of like mind fuckery in Derby that is very much like, I'm better than you and I'm going to fucking eat you for lunch. And like, if you're scared of me before I even hit you, good. That's less work I have to do. Like, you know, it's just, and people don't like that. Like they want to feel safe and they, and, and like, that's not roller derby man like i didn't join roller derby to make you feel safe i'm gonna kill you if you're not on my team you better fucking hope we're on the same team like, <laughs> like i don't know what to tell you yeah, i don't know <laughs> it's a competitive sport yeah i mean as someone who's yeah. been told i'm being too competitive i'm like um, huh? <laughs> it is a sport. I mean, there's ways to be bad competitive for sure. Like, yeah, and I have been, and, and I say I'm gonna kill you. And again, that's all intimidation. I'm a lovely person, I promise. Like, <laughs> and it's like in good, but faith. also like in a sport, I will do whatever I feel is like legal to get the thing done. Like, I'm gonna yeah. do it. Yeah. And again, I said what I feel is legal, not what the refs feel is legal. Right. Well, we. I remember specifically a few practices where Dewey was a trainer and she was saying like, this is how you play to the edge of the rule. And there were many people who were like, don't teach that. And I was like, what? I want to know, like, I want to do that. I want to play all the way to the edges of the rules. Like that's how it's fun. 
is to well and also like that control that finite control of right where the edge is is where you're going to be the most successful so like never getting anywhere near the edge because it's a bad habit is like well so you're just gonna like stand in the middle of the track and never touch anyone then like what's the point i don't know i feel like all of the like famous derby trainers that's what that's what people like hearing from them is how they like get to the edge of the limits like with the rules clarification um with the like pinching or whatever that was that's a whole other thing but like the the whole idea of it was like stretching the limits of the rules about multiplayer and like how you can hold people yeah. you know and that's why well, it was- and, it, and that's, that's exactly it is i think part of having this living like constantly changing sport and rule set again it's like oh cool we get to make things however we want them to be and now we have a thousand people like whose like whole entire like obsession day to day is how to like loophole that shit you know and i think part of what makes usars fun is that like the rules are really really simple and like there's very there's a lot less people trying to find loopholes like there's there's still those people in usars and they still pull shenanigans, but because it's not, again, this big, long, long road to playoffs, it's kind of like, that. Oh, we get together once a year and we like win some trophies or whatever, you know, yeah. like, yeah, they, they'll, there are some people who will find those loopholes, but there are a lot less of them. So it's, it's more, and then like they, their whole thing is if there's not a rule about it, then it's illegal. Like, so that's, that's mm-hmm. another thing with USARs that I like is that if it's not specifically addressed, then it's illegal. Like, you can't be like, well, they never said I couldn't do like this, you know, so. That's, I, that's interesting. And I didn't, hadn't thought of that, but yes, that's true. Also, I'm not a huge rules person. Like, I can see how rule sets are different, but like, I don't really like rules. I feel like safety again is kind of an illusion and yes i don't want somebody slamming me full on in the back but if somebody like kind of touches me in the back and then i like throw myself like again there's like this like flopping situation that people will do which it it can be really effective there's definitely like a, a fine line for some of these things but like really like it's just a lot too many rules slows down gameplay and it's boring as fuck like yeah. Nothing is more boring than watching the the captains and the fucking coaches and the goddamn refs in the middle and then waiting for God knows how long, you know, like nobody fucking cares. Yeah. Can we please just skate? Like, (laughs) please. Yes. You know, I hear. Yeah. I love rules, (laughs) but I also agree. Like I, I like finding the edges of the rules and I like the fact that Derby is like kind of complicated, but I also think that I like it because to me, most of the rules make sense and are like, there are some like clarifications and things that I think are excessive that we don't need. The reason I don't like football is like, you're just like ramming your heads together. Whereas roller Derby, you, cannot do that you can't trip somebody you can't butt heads you can't just like elbow somebody in the face and i don't think that that's like a good sport to watch 
Well, all, honestly, I have to tell you that I have been elbowed in the face so many times and it almost <laughs> never gets called. No. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, cause yeah. that shit happens in the pack all the time, but yeah. like, it doesn't even get called. Like, so what's no. the point? Like, I, I, I love refs and I think that their jobs are really hard and I do recognize that there needs to be some rules. Otherwise it's not a thing. It's not a sport. So I, I, I don't want it to come off like fuck refs and fuck rules and all that stuff. I do no. think it's just like, it can be a little bit of a buzzkill for just the flow of the game. Yeah. Um, and anybody who like is really into rules, like I'm just jealous. That's all. <laughs> Because I can't, I don't have the brain for it. <laughs> it's it reads like a legal document, and I cannot do it. <laughs> my injury history is as follows: um, I broke my ankle in three places, trimalar fracture in 2014, my right ankle. Um, I had just yeah. been told I was no longer going to be on the B team, or like you know the actual like travel because like. At the time, it was like A team, B teams, like the travel team. Um, and I was told that I was not going to be part of right. that elite group thought. of skaters anymore. Um, yes. And uh, because of, like, I, I don't even, I can't really even remember. Um, but so I was very upset. And they decided to tell me, like, it was one of those things where it was going to come out the next day in an email. And we had like a street team event the night before. And they decided to tell me when I was really wasted at the street team event um, so that they, I don't know, I got really wasted. I was really feeling very sorry for myself. I got up the next day and I went to scrimmage and I was like, I'll fucking show them. <laughs> and I was mad, mad, mad and aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. And I tried to block somebody and I just like caught the edge of my skate wrong and <laughs> all of it was gone. And I was like. I was stomping with like all a hundred percent of my fury and aggression. Like I broke my own fucking ankle yeah. that way. Like that was not anybody else, but me being like really mad and being like, I'm going to fucking show everyone. Um, so that was my first one, mm -hmm. which was uh, uh, like really fun. Was that like surgery? That was like surgery. And yeah. You had so I had to go to shit, the ER right? right then and there because um, my foot was not, it was not really attached and it was kind of facing the wrong direction so they had to like put that all back together yeah. for me and wrap it up and then i had to have surgery like a week later um that it was I, I don't really remember the recovery being too bad um i remember going back and being like freaked the fuck out like really really afraid and i did i had two plates yeah. and 11 screws they put, put a plate on each side screws all up and down um i went back and I like had a really like emotional reaction the first time I put my skates on just like being there um also like it took 45 minutes for the ambulance to arrive and I was just laying there with my foot dangling the wrong direction for like 45 minutes while people were like it's okay it's okay <laughs> so that was fun for me um it's okay. I mean, Sorry. it was okay, right? That's what they told me. It was okay. It happened. And uh, then, um, yeah, so then I came back and I, I had a really emotional reaction, but I just, like, I wanted to be back so bad. Also, like, I was not involved in anything roller derby while I was gone. Like, when I was recovering, I was like, roller derby what? I've never heard of it. Like, I didn't go to practices. I didn't stay involved in any way. Like, I was, like, not anything about it. But then when I could... 
I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm going to go back. I want to go back. So I did. And, um, besides that like just basically like rush of emotions and crying kind of feeling like freaked out the first time um the first time I got like a really big hit and somebody actually fell like into my ankle like their whole body weight like into like my ankle that was straight and like I you know went down and I was like okay like if it was gonna break again like that would have been the moment you know what I mean kind of thing like that could have been it and it was like okay like I feel like I understand like it's okay and it's going to be fine and like if my legs ever in like precarious situation I just need to go limp and like let it go where it needs to go like don't try to because I feel like if you try to like make something happen with your body and you like tense up and you're like forcing something that's when things like break and tear and so you kind of just like let the momentum do what it's needing to do and just kind of go limp and like land on whatever the fuck happens to hit the floor first you'll be sore but you're probably not gonna break or tear or something you know what i mean like really hard to do in the yeah, moment though the like driver. i'm falling and i'm yeah. just gonna go limp instead of like catch yourself and stay up because again it's that line and like if you can stay up like fuck yeah but like if you can't like you can't and like trying to make it happen is not gonna work um and so then two years later in 2016 um i was scrimmaging and <laughs> I tried to stop somebody who was going very fast and I was at a dead stop and they were very large (laughs) and you know, like they hit me and I thought I'm just going to fucking lock my leg out and I'm going to fucking like brace with it and it's going to be fine. And it was not fine. Um, And again, like you can't fucking change the laws of physics with your body, dude. Like don't, put it all on that knee and then lock it out thinking you're going to stop this human. Like it's not how that works. (laughs) So my knee kind of like buckled and I went down and I remember looking up the ref and being like, you're going to need to call the jam off. Like I'm not getting off this track on my own power. And then um, I went to the emergency room, but I waited for like four hours and like still didn't get in. So I just went home and I called my same orthopedic surgeon that had put together my ankle and they got me in for an MRI the next day. Um, it was a different person who did my knee surgery, but I had uh, torn my ACL. And then this is, this is hilarious. Um, between them giving me my MRI and scheduling my surgery, I managed to also tear my meniscus because I was still walking around and living my life. Uh, my knee was a little sore, but I was like, whatever. And I went to the bar and I was hula hooping um, and I was really drunk and <laughs> fucked up my meniscus too. So then when they got in, they were like, this is weird, but your meniscus is all fucked up too. And it kind of changed the whole um, like recovery plan because with your ACL, cause it's on the side, mm-hmm. you can wait bare like immediately with your meniscus. You cannot wait bare mm-hmm. for six weeks. So I thought I was going to walk out and mm-hmm. I ended up being on my back for six weeks and it sucked. <laughs> it sucked a lot. Yeah. That sounds um, I would say that recovery was much worse, much more difficult, much more painful. Um, the PT was also much more difficult, much more painful. Like I had, I remember I had to like, I used to call it, um, 
what was it catboarding like like waterboarding because I had this like backpack backpack with all these cats on it and I'd put like textbooks in it and then I'd hang it on my knee to like force my leg to straighten and I was supposed to do it like so many times a day so I'd be like I gotta do my catboarding and I'd like put my leg up and like weight my knee (laughs) so yeah that was it was a lot and it was I mean the ankle wasn't great I definitely had to kind of like I had to do PT and like learn to walk and have a good gait and blah, blah, blah. And like, but the knee was like so much worse. Yeah. So, so much worse. Um, yeah. And luckily that is pretty much the extent of my major injuries. Knock wood. I did say like, if I get another, like, like I have a little, you know, nagging things here and there, like everybody does, right? Like, oh, I think I stubbed my toe or pulled my ankle or like whatever a little bit, but like, you know, um, things that require surgeries. If I think I have another one of those, I might have to like retire because that shit's fucking expensive. And it really does like take you out of like, again, real life, it takes you out of that. The thing, you know, where you get paid and where you have like a family and like, responsibilities <laughs> like yeah. that aren't just skating yeah so great. yeah yeah um yes and yeah. it's a very real that's a really real it's a very real risk that we all take but i also think it's important to remember that you're more likely to get injured in a car accident like period like that's real um i know you did some like percentages and some different stats and i was like these are all like so like you can't even compare that shit. It's not, it's yeah. so hard to compare the statistics because nobody's keeping real statistics on a derby people. Like, cause it's all like, who the fuck knows? Yeah. You know, that like there's part. no real outcome yeah. following or anything like yeah. that. Like it's so impossible to compare. Um, but I can guarantee you, you're more likely to get yeah. injured in a car accident. Like that's, that's real. I'd say you're yeah. more likely to get injured in a skate park yeah. too. I think, I think the skate park is more dangerous than roller derby. I went to the skate park for the first time in uh-huh. a year the other day and my body hurt so bad and I didn't oh, even yeah. like do anything. I just Holding like, that you know, stance. launched myself into the concrete a few times. The stance is different. Oh. Yeah. It's definitely like a higher impact thing. And people for some reason think that Derby is higher impact. Hard, hard. Yeah. Even though I did break my leg at the park, but I wasn't well, doing anything. But that's exactly it. Like, so. Just being on skates is a risk. Like you didn't even have to be playing derby. You could be at a skating rink yeah. with five-year-olds and it's a risk, you know, like it's not the derby that's the risk yeah. necessarily, which is insane. Cause we do try to murder yeah. each other. Most derby skaters I know that have broken something were not on the track. Like you and one other person were on the track, but like when one of our teammates, it was her first bout yeah. and she, she was just standing in the doorway outside of she was just standing by the ticket booth yeah which was bizarre and then even ray like most injuries we have a teammate who got a Mm -hmm. really really significant and bad concussion and they were literally standing on their skates talking to somebody and just lost their balance and went backwards now they had and they didn't hit their head either right and so and they had had some like previous hitting their head in some scrimmagey type stuff, but nothing that was like too concerning for them. But they, they now think that those were like little 
kind of like micro concussion mm-hmm. or whatever. And then it led to them being just generally off balance. And then when they hit their tailbone, that like level of like whiplash was enough to like seal the deal or whatever. They're back, that by the way. Sense. They're they're not like scrimmaging Yay. yet, That's but awesome. they ran practice last night. It was lovely. It was really good. Yay. I love when they trained. I only got to have them be my trainer a couple times, I think, but it, I they always love to practice. They love Derby. You got to love somebody who loves Derby. Yes. Yeah, they. I saw someone fall on their tailbone really hard a couple weeks ago, and I was like trying to get the coacher who I was like, maybe you should do a concussion check on them. Like, that was a hard fall, and they were like, they didn't hit their head, and I was like, yeah. but they hit their tailbone, and that's part <laughs> of their spine, and at the top of their spine is their head. All of that shit's connected. Yeah. I, I tell you what, we yeah. didn't even have... That's how I feel. Concussion not- protocol is so new in my derby career. I'm like, what's that? I'm Somebody actually said that to We're playing Never Have I Ever as a drill. And they were like, never have I ever had a concussion. And I'm like, well, I'm sure I've had one, but nobody's ever done concussion pro- protocol on me because, like, that wasn't a thing like, for a really long time. Like, nobody would even, like, yeah. be like, oh, you hit your head. It's like, are you okay? Okay. <laughs> When also stitches impact huge. at Rocky, having all that protocol yeah. is huge because Everyone. that does not exist. Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting too because I've heard Ross and Stitches argue about what their level of responsibility to other people who are over 18 and can make their own decisions about their bodies um, and what their responsibility really is. And I, I do think... I tend to err a little bit more on the side of, and I'm sure there's going to be a shock to everyone. We're over 18 and we have health insurance and we get to decide what we want to do with our bodies. Like we have the autonomy and there are medical experts who can give you their opinion. And ultimately it is your decision to decide whether you're going to take that information or not. I do think there's a level of, no, you're clearly fucked up and you can't skate and I'm not going to allow you to skate. And we as an organization are not going to allow you to skate. That's, there is that level of responsibility, but how far that reach goes, I think is a little like, again. Yeah. Well, part of that is also like getting a, having sustaining a head injury can affect your decision making like in the moment yes so i think having that delineation of like this person is not thinking clearly and therefore we are telling them to get off the track versus like i hit my head on ross's helmet (laughs) or something like that and we both sustained concussions but mine was super minor and like stitches gave me the whole protocol but I did talk to a couple other medical professionals and they were kind of like, you seem okay. Like it's probably fine. I think it's just the level of and I was like, eh. what? I, and I think this is kind of another thing too, that's really important to remember is that we all have a different experience in our bodies. And ultimately like we need to be the experts on our bodies. And if somebody is telling you like, no, I saw you hit your head really, really, really hard. And I am not comfortable with you continuing to skate. And you're like, I'm fine. I am the expert on my own body. Like, I think there needs to be a level of like, no, you can't. But I feel like that's really tricky. And again, Mm -hmm. overreach is like a scary thing to me. Like, I would almost, almost err on the side of like, 
let people do what they want, but also like that's clearly not the right answer. <laughs> so it's hard. It's really difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but I think if somebody yeah, like visually saw you hit your head very hard on the ground then th that should be enough evidence to like stop mm -hmm. somebody from skating at least for like maybe like I force agree. them to take a 20 minutes you know like maybe not even like you can't skate again yeah. today but like for 20 minutes I'm going to need you to sit there and then mm -hmm. we can talk again and I'll see how I feel about it kind of thing but yeah yeah, I like that. Um, I have I, I put this in the notes, yeah. but I have seen concussions change people like their entire personality um, completely and permanently yeah. and change their lives. Like I'm not talking about Derby. I'm talking about their real lives, their families, their jobs, um, like entirely devastating yeah. and or like maybe some of it was for the best, but like it's real. That is a very real risk. And like, that agree injury is yeah, not it's fucking with your brain. a joke. Um, and I try to think of, you know, having had, a, not, I don't really have a ton of brain injury or head injury experience or whatever, but like, even just having had the level of injuries I have on my legs, um, my feet, my, my ankle or whatever, um, like, I've learned that like, it's not worth it. Um, you know, that level of like, no, I'm going to put my body on the line and I'm going to make this thing that I want to happen, happen. And I'm going to make it, I'm going to control it. I'm going to make it. My will is stronger than anything that could be happening here is not worth it. And it doesn't work anyway. Like you're either a good enough, fast enough, strong enough skater to stop someone or you're not like, and you can't just want it, you know? just wanting it doesn't fix it and like mm -hmm. so that's how I feel I got injured both times was just kind of like trying to mm -hmm. prove something or trying to like push my body way further than it ever should have to go and now I'm kind of like and I think this yeah. I don't know maybe this makes me a more competitive or less competitive skater depending on who you talk to but like there are situations where I'm like it's not worth it and I'm gonna I'm not going to kill myself to stop the jammer right now i'm going to like ease up and regain my composure and then i'm going to get them on the next one like i'm going to get them the next go round instead of getting carted yeah, off in a stretcher you know and not skating again for however many months <laughs> yeah. right yeah i think that's smart and i've also heard you say that because we talked about this once you or i both like if we have any like bad feeling about going to practice mm -hmm. we're not going to go because I had a bad feeling before I broke my leg and I should not have gone and skated. And now I listen to the bad feeling and I'm like, no, nope, I think it's just really today. important to remember what you want and what you're doing it for. And it, I think like proving things to people or like, again, it's, I think it's this kind of awful culture, you know, it's kind of goes into wellness culture a little bit of this, like, if you're good enough and strong enough and in shape enough then you should be able to stop this person. You should be able to be better than them. And everybody should constantly be striving to be better and better and better. And like, no, like, you know what? It's fine to not be as good as somebody and to make a really pathetic attempt to stop them and then fall down and let them step over your corpse. And it's fine. Like, you know, I think it's important to like, in some ways, like, accept the mediocrity, like enjoy the mediocrity. It's fine. Like, 
you don't have to be the best at everything. Yeah. You don't have to beat everyone. And it doesn't all come all at once. Even if you, even if that is your goal is to be the best, like it's not going to happen that day because you fucking force it to like, it takes time to get there. So like, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Just again, I, I get, I think that's just so much of my personal experience with injury though, is that like, I really was like, I feel like I injured myself both times. Like there was not really anyone else yeah. doing anything. It was my choices and my attitude and my, like, I'm going to fucking make this happen that, that injured me. And so if you can kind of get a handle yeah. on that, like mindset before it ever happens, groovy. <laughs> Aside from that, like that mind, that mindset, are do you have other practices that you do or that you would consider like injury yeah, prevention? Yeah, I think it's important to um, like cross training. I think is super important. I think that um, it doesn't have to be like, oh, you're in the gym or you're like, you know, again, this whole your wellness culture episode was really like impactful to me because of this, like really fucked up belief we have in our society that like you need to look a certain way to be healthy you need to like look a certain way or like work out a certain way to be strong like there's all these like ideas that's like we, everybody just kind of like wants to accept as like fact and it's just bullshit um yeah. so i do think like cross training could be like literally anything that gets you more aware of your body and like maybe aware of your balance i'm like a huge fan of any kind of functional movement um like stretching um roll foam rolling doing things like being aware of like they call them def deficiencies like if your hamstrings are really tight, you might have this mm -hmm. kind of like deficiency where you can't really do like squats in a good form. Just being aware of those kinds of things and like working on them is going to like pay dividends on the track and not only just being like athletic, but also like injury prevention. Um, I think pushing yeah. yourself is a good way to prevent injuries too, because if you can push yourself in a safe environment, like practice um, where it doesn't really matter um, and you can kind of find that line of here's what I'm capable of and here's what I'm not capable of. You then know in a game situation when it's like hot and tension that you you kind of know how far you can go. And you're not going to push yourself too far yeah. just to win the game, you know. Um, so just yeah. having that like yeah. and I think thinking about it too, like understanding. I think for me having again, I, I don't know if it's true for everybody that you can injure yourself by forcing things or whatever. It might not necessarily be that way for everyone. But like, just kind of understanding where you're at the most risk and acknowledging it is good too. like, understanding what your weaknesses are, mm -hmm. and trying to work on them in the most safe possible way. Like if you know, you're just not good on one foot, yeah. like your left foot, like, try standing on your left foot in your shoes, you know, like take the wheels out of the equation and try and really right. like balance out yeah. your m muscles in that way first, and then try to do it on skates kind of stuff. Like I do think um, we, t I, I, I don't know. I've read this book called uh, lifting heavy things and it's kind of about, it's about trauma mm -hmm. and how like movement can help move trauma through your body and how important it is. But because of the wellness culture, it's like one of the most traumatizing places any, especially woman can be like ever. 
So um, I highly recommend that book. Yeah. And she, I think you would really resonate with her because she can't fucking do yoga either. She's like, fuck yoga. And I love yoga. Like I'll say I never had a connection with my body like I do now that I have a regular yoga practice. And also I don't see yoga as like, it has to be, you know, like whatever, like vinyasas and you know, namaste at the end. Like, I feel like yoga is literally just taking time to stretch and be in your body and be present in your body. And so like, it's become this thing that's really easy. Like yoga, I'll just like throw that on and I can do that. But like, it doesn't have to necessarily be that. And I think you'll resonate with her because she does like, she's like, fuck yoga. It doesn't work for me. Like, no, (laughs) but so many people find a lot of this like body connection in yoga. So I, of course, going to be like, I love Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I appreciate that part of yoga. I just, it was a toxic space for me. Like it was presented to me in a toxic way. So I kind of can't participate in it in the mindful way that I yeah. want to, I think is the big issue. But I like that. I like what you're saying of like recognizing your weaknesses and also like pushing yourself to the limit in practice. That's been a big one for me. It's like, I think adrenaline in a game scenario, I tend to go 210%. And that is when I roll an ankle or something. Our league has like this, you know, we keep saying to each other, like we're going 100% on this drill. And then you can sit down in the middle while we talk. Like there's no reason to show up. Well, everybody's 100% looks different. So that's kind of been like another conversation, but like, why are you showing up to practice if you're not going to give it your all kind of a thing? Like we can get so much more out of it if we all push ourselves here so that we can do better in a tournament or gameplay situation. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a really, really difficult line to toe because, you know, in some drills you do have to simulate things. And I think a lot of times people want to like, look good you know like they need to be the best at everything i'm i'm totally fucking guilty of this too like you know like i cannot in good conscience let you get past me (laughs) like and but like it's it's kind of that give and take of like what's the point of this drill and what are we trying to learn and am i helping simulate what the next level would be for this person because it seems like they're they've already got it or am i just knocking them around because i don't want to look bad you know and i think it's just like I said, it's a difficult line to toe, but like, I do think it's so important to not go to practice. Like sometimes just showing up is you're 100%, right? And then like your participation in drills is like, yeah. whatever, I, I got here. And I can I can totally, like, I'm here for that. Mm-hmm. I, I've got all the space in the world for that. But if yeah. you're just like, ugh, I'm out of shape. And like, every time I do a drill, it's like, okay, this is hard. I need to stop now. Like, it's like, well, like if you don't like, I think there's this um, difference between not being safe and feeling uncomfortable, right? And like discomfort in working out does not necessarily mean you're pushing yourself t- towards injury. A lot of times discomfort when you're working out is mm-hmm. pushing you towards a breakthrough or like pushing you to the next level. And I think people don't like, yeah. I mean, like it's called discomfort for a reason. <laughs> It's not comfortable. It sucks. It's not a good place to be. And you have to be there if you want to improve, if you want to change. So I think it's important for people to understand the difference there too. Like 
I'm not safe and I'm not comfortable. And that goes for life too, by the way. Like that's not just derby. That's everything. The uncomfortable is where yes. you want to be. So, so another thing I, like I wanted to bring up is, um, what is it? Underlying conditions. So this happens to so many people when you start mm -hmm. playing derby, something will come up that you never, never did before. And it's like this whole other thing. And I think that's great mm -hmm. because to me, that means like you're having a relationship with your body that allowed you to like recognize this thing that's going on with you. Um, and that's important because if you just never found out about it, like that's probably not going to be a better outcome. Like. <laughs> The sooner the better is my general understanding with these sorts of things. So, um, I've that's yeah, good, like good I think team. that, and I think okay. part that's part of what I love about Derby is because it it feels accessible to people of all different body sizes, and it's not necessarily like joining a gym, you know, it's not necessarily like taking a fitness class. It's kind of like, no, I want to like have a better relationship with my body, but like also like enjoy a sport, you know. It's kind of like a less I feel like there's like some kind of weird morality about putting in time at the gym, you know, as opposed to like being in a sport. So I think that that's cool that it feels accessible to more people, um, you know, of all different, like, like I never played a sport before Derby. I'd never been on a team store. I I've yeah. been in the gym my whole life, but I never played a sport. And then once I started playing Derby, I wanted to go to the gym because I wanted to be better at Derby. Like it was very motivating to me. Yeah. You have like a great instead of it yeah. being aesthetic or like I have to go to the gym because I ate a cookie yeah like, I don't love that whole <laughs> yeah like this whole like attitude of like I have to work off my sins or whatever like yeah I mm, the morality around food and fitness is probably like my least favorite part of wellness culture and it's probably the part that has been like the I probably hate it the most because it's like the most prevalent in my life of people adding moral value to things that don't yes. have moral value. I try really hard to be it, neutral it about makes, food. Like yeah. um, somebody was asking me like, Oh, what's your, like, what are your, some of your goals? And like, they're like, I want to be more healthy. And I'm like, well, what does mm -hmm. that mean? Um, and then I was like, I want to eat more vegetables. Like <laughs> that's my goal. It's not good, bad or indifferent. It's just literally, I would like to eat more vegetables. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because they make you feel good or something, not because there's they're good. Right. Morally. Or like I'm bad because I don't eat enough. Yeah. Like just I want to eat more. I, I could stand to have some yeah. more veggies in my life. Same. And I just like, yeah, I, I think that that's okay. so like I think it's really prevalent. Again, being unfortunately a woman in our society is all about like thinness and your appearance and being like sexually appealing to men I guess I don't know like ew <laughs> um and it's so yeah. like again like this morality of like no you're like a bad person if you can't get it together and like be what you need to be and like it's just so crazy too because like this ideal is not real like nobody fits this quote-unquote ideal and the only people who come even remotely close mm -hmm. are like surgically enhanced and photoshopped to the nth degree <laughs> like so like why yeah yeah it requires like a lot yeah of 
look and like it's, and, and it's not yeah. and i don't like that's not health and i think that's the thing too that's so damaging is that people see that as health and that's what a healthy person is yeah. and looks like and you should be able to like eat whatever you want and just look like that and like it, there's never any like discussion of like no this has been literally like what is it um thump and grind it that's what madonna says <laughs> uh like Beauty's where you oh. find it, not just where you thump and grind uh -huh. it. Like you're like literally like fucking creating beauty with your will and not just like being a beautiful person. Like it feels like a lot of work. And it's not it doesn't feel feel healthy. Yeah. To me. I don't know. Uh, so it's not. Yeah. I just read a study that said that it was published in 2019, but I had not seen it anywhere. And it was saying that having a higher body weight or lower body weight does not indicate health or like cardiovascular health specifically. Fluctuations in weight are what cause, like are detrimental to your cardiovascular health and like mortality. And what causes fluctuations in body weight are like, it's intentional weight loss because you try to lose weight, it's unsustainable, you gain it back. And that's the unhealthy part of it, not the living in a yeah. larger body. Well, and I think it's this I difference between like, this is like my diet and I am on a diet. You know what I mean? Like, this is just how, like, if I'm going to change something, I'm gonna, like, I'm going to eat more vegetables. I'm going to change something in my lifestyle, not I'm going to do this program that's like 16 weeks and I'm going to like drop all this weight and I'm going to be gorgeous. And then I'm going to go back to like, just, eat, you know, whatever I was doing before that wasn't working, you know, like that's not... Things need to be sustainable yeah. to have a real impact. And like, I think to, in order to be sustainable, yeah. it can't be like changing everything all at once. It has to be like a real slow, a slow burn. Like I feel like from the moment I started playing Derby to this moment, I have been constantly changing my lifestyle to feel better, to feel more healthy and more active and more athletic for Derby. Like, I'm not going to say there's really been a lot of other motivations in my life. You know, I mean, I will say there is like that. Yeah. I look, I look better or whatever. Like people, Oh, you lost so much weight. You look so good. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Like that, that reinforcement, yeah. as much as I disagree with it feels nice of validation, but like the whole reason has always just been to be a better Derby player. <laughs> like, you think that when you joined Derby, there was like more wellness culture ingrained in it than there is now? Or like, do you see a lot Ugh, of it now? I feel like it might be a little worse now, to be honest, because I feel like when I started Derby, nobody really? saw themselves as athletes. So there wasn't really a lot of like wellness. Like we were, it was more like this punk rock thing that we were doing that was kind of like badass. And we were like, if anything, we were abusing our bodies, not like being kind to them. So yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't really like about, and, and then like, you know, the bigger you are, the fucking harder you're going to hit. Like, you know, so there was never like this, like, oh, you need yeah. to be thin. There was a little bit of that, like thin people jam and big people block, like a little bit of that. But I feel like that shit happens still. Like, and, and, and like, literally, like yes. if you have any meat on your bones and you want to jam, people are like, okay, let's see what you got. Like, I don't know about that. Like, how could you ever possibly be successful? And it's like, yeah. okay, you're so stupid. <laughs> it's future brawl back again to say you've now heard Batty and I talk about respect in roller derby, um, injury history, 
and wellness culture mostly. And we will pick up this the rest of this conversation next week in the next episode. So stay tuned. Um, next week, we talk about a lot of different things. <laughs> we kind of allude back to the conversations we had in this episode. But we also talk about more topics, especially RollerCon next episode. So stay tuned for that one next week if you're listening to these as they release. Otherwise, it's just the next episode that you're going to listen to. Um, Thanks so much again for all the support from y'all. I really appreciate everybody listening, reading, reviewing, following on socials, interacting with us there. Um, An update on merch stuff. I will probably maybe close the bonfire shop and move everything over to Printful. Um, Also, as you might hear me allude to in these interview episodes, I will be printing probably a tote bag for each person who I interview. So if you want a limited edition Roller Derby Survival Guide tote bag, you should DM me or email me and do an interview. So (laughs) otherwise you can buy a sticker for now. This has been the Complete Roller Derby Survival Guide. I'm Brawl. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you guys next week. Bye. I haven't released the designs yet, but I'm very close. Oh my God. Stevie.